All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, are you good citizens of Crypt Nation? Welcome back to the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here, and I am joined today by what I consider a juggernaut in the tech space. This man has founded some of the biggest things we've ever used on the web and also here in crypto. It is my pleasure to bring on Halsey Miner, the founder of Vivid Labs. Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Um, glad to be here. Now, you've worked you dreamt and you've had the vision of some of the biggest web companies on earth cnet just to you know make one of them uphold the wallet that's integrated with the brave browser another several more things uh, an amazingly successful serial entrepreneur you could do literally anything you wanted in your life right now and yet you've chosen to be in the nft space what is it about that that attracted you uh, you know i've always been interested in what's new in tech. So, you know, I started CNET in 93 when I was actually on the internet in 89 on a service called The Well, but um, started CNET in 93. Loved the idea of the internet as a publishing medium, kind of built that up into a NASDAQ 100 company um, and then left and and co-founded Salesforce uh, with uh, John Dillon and, and Mark Benioff and spent six years as the second largest shareholder, uh, actually sorry, four, four, and a half, four and a half years working, you know, to build the company in six years as the second largest shareholder and, you know, started Google Voice around telecom, OpenDNS, the first commercial DNS service, number of companies, including Uphold in 2013. And I, I just found uh, Bitcoin incredibly 
interesting. And obviously, it has one of the most interesting backstories of any technology ever. So, you know, I try to figure out what the problems are and start companies to solve them. And at that point, the, the biggest problem was just getting access to crypto. Like, how do I actually buy it? And so Uphold was, like Coinbase, a way that people could actually uh, buy crypto, which was a very, very, very hard thing to do. Uh, it was a hard thing. You know, I say the difference between Coinbase and Uphold is they got a, they got a bank account 15 months before we did. So, you know, everybody started going there to buy, buy crypto. It was very, very hard to get bank accounts. Even I kind of mentioned that, you know, even if you uh, worked in a crypto company and your bank found out, they would, they would, uh, uh, you'd lose your bank account. And Uphold was called BitReserve. And uh, banks started going through and finding BitWords. And, you know, we found that our employees were, were losing their bank accounts, not, not just the company having a hard time getting one. So, you know, I don't do everything that's new, but I certainly look at new technology and I try to kind of put together the jigsaw puzzle of, you know, how do you configure the technology in a way um, that creates some sort of new service that, you know, solves a problem or brings joy or, you know, has some, some benefit. And uh, I'm just, I'm always kind of fascinated by, you know, some genius events, whether it's the internet or the cloud or, uh, in this case, digital currency. And I love trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to take that like putty and turn it into something useful. Speaking of usefulness, I think that's really what's been lacking so far in the NFT space. And the average person may have heard more about NFTs than, you know, crypto beyond Bitcoin at this point, because it blew up so big last year, but the impression they got of it isn't the whole deal. You know, they, they heard of the really popular stuff on the surface, you know, these weird art collections like bored apes or crypto dick butts or something that's just completely ridiculous and doesn't actually serve the technology behind NFTs very well. You know, what are the real addressable markets that NFTs can solve with, with what they're doing? So, I mean, we pretty we consider ourselves NFT 2.0 because we're 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 vastly different than the NFTs that you think about today. So when I say vastly different, what do I mean by that? I mean that we can store 200 different file types, we can do streaming video and audio. Um, out of the cloud. And when I say file types, it's all audio, it's all video, but it's like Word documents, Excel documents, PDF, et cetera. You can so anything as, can be an NFT, essentially. Yeah. And then you can put as many gigabytes. And then the thing that is transformative in terms of features is our uh, NFTs are updatable. So I, as a creator, can continue to push content into the NFT. NFT. So, so we're kind of where we are is, you know, we, we built this, Vivid Labs, we built this backend that allowed companies to do this, Vivid Pro, and then we put it inside Shopify. And we're uh, in beta now on our app for iOS and Android that lets anybody create these unbelievable NFTs and start to land them 
on on major marketplaces. So so people will find, will see people can go to Vivid Labs. And they can sign up for the beta of the uh, of the app. Um, what's going to happen is uh, before the twentieth of August, you'll be able to go uh, to OpenSea, and you'll be able to find an NFT that has multiple JPEGs, audio, video, 3D objects, AR, I think an Excel document, PDF, music, I think video, if I haven't already said it, all in a single NFT that can be purchased by OpenSea. And while it sits there on the marketplace, we're going to be updating it with additional content. So people can come back, they can look at it, and they can see, and you know, one of the videos that'll be in the NFT will be showing how easy it is to take our app uh, and to create this NFT, and then be able to to send it to uh, to OpenSea via Polygon. So, you know, we we call the you know use case zero for us is is what exists today, which is you know people buying content for various different purposes. And so we think of ourselves as greatly expanding the the use case zero that that's out there today. You can't. So, so for uh, example, just so I, I want to make sure I understand correctly. So like NFT 1.0 was essentially a file, a JPEG, but NFT yeah. 2.0 is a folder, which can contain just about anything and is dynamic. And can be updated. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's more to that than just a folder because we have infrastructure for streaming both audio and video. So uh, in fact, we have the capability of doing live video, although we're doing so many things right now, we've not added that actually to the to the package. So yes, we go from a single item to we go to to basically any kind of item you, you want to put in a digital a digital package. And you know, we had to do some really clever engineering around the fact that the standards today just support one uh, JPEG. I mean, even if, if I, I mean, I think I'm correct about this, but uh, if you go to OpenSea and you want to put two JPEGs in a in an NFT, you can't do that. <laughs> so, so you you've got such now. I know there's things like nesting and other things that people are trying, and these are very complex ways of of uh, you know. And and I've seen other marketplaces where they say if you buy this, send me an email and I'll show you the rest of the content. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you start thinking about, okay, now let's put out an album. Let's have, you know, video from the concerts. Let's have backstage. Let me show you my car collection. Let me get, you know, go through my hanging out with my friends. The ability to create an NFT and be able to update it and provide additional content creates new kinds of, of services. And then I'll give you kind of something on the on the other end, kind of at the far end of the spectrum, away from what we think of as traditional media. And that's we have a law firm, and they they specialize in you know basically last will and testaments. And so what they're creating is the ability to create an NFT that has a person who draws up his will signs as well, you know, which is all recorded. And then he can he or she can add to that video. So for instance, the the most valuable part of it is 
if, if you get a document that's a, that's a last will and testament, it doesn't tell you why anybody did something. It just says this is this is it. And so you, you go to court and people say, well, you know, he was left out in the rain when he signed it or, you know, they put a pressure on him or, you know, he didn't understand what he was doing when he did. So so instead, the actual person whose last will and testament is explains all of their their decisions in video. So when they go in front of the judge and they say, well, you know, he was not a, or she was not a sound mind and body or they were, you know, they were under duress or whatever. They can prove that's not true. And they can provide the context around all of the around all of the decisions that are made. And the context is what's lost. And that's why you have so much litigation around last will and testaments, particularly if people have a lot of a lot of money. So, you know, when people started thinking about NFTs, you know, that's not the kind of thing that they, that they thought about. And if I, and if I drop a new will, uh, last one testament, I can push that to the blockchain and the blockchain just basically keeps recording. And, and of course, then there's kind of this, the social thing, which is I can, I can also record messages to loved ones. And, you know, and that, and that becomes part of what the person who's died sort of passes on to, to, to the family. So for me, you know, I started out seeing it, you know, people were just discovering what a website was and what it did. And I, I was so enamored of this idea that I could build this one thing that text and it had audio and one day video and, you know, graphics and animation in a single thing. And that's kind of the way I'm beginning to think about NFTs, because NFT can even include money uh, if you want to put, put, put crypto in it. So. So for us, it's this flexible basket of content that, you know, has some some really important and unique characteristics because it, it sits on a blockchain. I think that's such a fascinating use case. Uh, a long time ago, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had a museum of the common people and just about anyone could go over there and, you know, find out what their grandpa was like and just pull his name out of a database. And, you know, the museum is just basically a huge room full of video screens. So people are watching and they're just watching, you know, random people's lives or the uh, ancestors' lives, just whatever was on video recording. But it sounds like you've actually built the technology to make something like that possible. So that's really cool. You know, maybe someone listening will take the idea and build it. And I hope people do all over the world. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just give you, give you an example. I mean, you know, we've yeah. been building this. We've been building this. And, you know, my sister passed away um, six months ago. But, you know, NFTs don't have to be sold. So what I what I would have done uh, if, if we had had the app at the time was I would have gathered together, you know, pictures and video and people talking about her, et cetera. And I would have put it into an NFT and then I would have shared it out to 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 family members and, and then it would just it would simply become a become a, a remembrance so you know that's not that's not too dissimilar from the idea that you know you originally had yeah very much so that that's a really cool way to to you know pay homage and memorialize someone who's really special you know i i think there's a lot of things that are happening you know in the nft space in the crypto space but we're waiting for these legal rails to say what's on the blockchain is upholdable in a court of law. And I think, you know, real estate is one of the best use cases for NFTs, but 
you know, will they be recognized as land deeds and the proper ownership? You know, we're still waiting on that stuff. What do you think needs to happen on the legal side for NFTs to be really enforceable and really show their true potential? You know, I don't know, honestly, enough about the enforceability of them. But but what I do what I do know is that when you get into areas like music, it's incredibly complicated. And anytime you get rights, it's very hard to turn those things into NFTs because you've got so many different right holders to, to deal with. So uh, I was actually the first investor in the first uh, music streaming service called Rhapsody. And we had, we had uh, the five major labels invested. And then they, this was 1999. And then, then, of course, they tried to kill us because the music industry is always <laughs> sort of, you know, the last to sort of pick up, the, you know, a new technology because they don't distrust, they distrust it. But, but I, I think there's, there's a problem with NFTs, music being a perfect case, uh, where, you know, how do you manage the, the rights? Like, like when I buy that NFT that has video in it, or it has music in it, like, what actually do I own and what do I, and what do I not own? And, and how, how do those, those royalties actually sort of get, get paid out? And, uh, you know, these are complex legal questions. And so for, for certain kinds of, of NFTs, it's going to need to be, you know, the ability to, to handle payouts and things like that. Like there's a, uh, there's a company in, in the music industry called the Orchard. Sony owns them and they make like a billion dollars a year. And what you do is you send them your song and they push it out to all the music services. And then they, they, they do marketing and some other stuff, but, but, but mostly they keep track of all the rights and do out all the, do all the payouts. And so there's kind of a similar need in a lot of areas like that, you know, in, uh, in the world of, of NFTs, but in terms of. Are you seeing anyone in the NFT space building some kind of automated royalty payout system? Yeah. I mean, there's a company called Monax that's, uh, that's actually looking at this. So, you know, they've got a bunch of different scenarios that they're, that they're looking at. We have a relationship with them. Uh, We haven't done anything with them yet, but yeah, they are very much looking at this issue. Um, and, And it's a, it's a significant one. Yeah, definitely. So, the idea of that an NFT is a, a media container is really, really new and and you know novel. You know, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of using that today? And you know, what are like what I guess you know what's the long term grand vision uh, where those drawbacks are removed? Uh, I mean, so you know, I'm not a fan of Tom Brady selling. Uh, 3D, no, not a 3D, an image of his cleat for $95,000. I, I, don't, I don't see how that value ever really, even if somebody's willing to do it, I, just, I don't see how that, particularly when there's 16 more of them, I, I, just, I just don't see how that ever has value. And the problem sort of with the first phase of the industry is, you know, you could, you could spend two or three days doing content and, you know, then you could go sell it for a lot of money. So you've got people not investing a lot of money in content and getting a lot of money for it. And in some ways force 
creators to do is to actually create more content and more, more content value. So, you know, what I would like uh, from Tom Brady. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If he, were, if he came to me and said, you know, what do you want to do? I'd say, well, look, instead of selling a picture of your shoe for $95,000, let's for $15 a year, right? Let's, um, let's have, uh, you know, you, first of all, having a video thanking the person for buying it. Um, and then maybe after every game, you tell people who are part of this, you know, million community, you know, about the game and, and you also can put other kinds of content, you know, in there that you think people would be interested in. Uh, that would be so cool to have like a, a private press conference with your own like Twitch followers where they're asking like, what did you think of the game? Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, well, I, I actually am not going to use that, that description. It's just that, right now where the where the market is it's you're selling not a lot for a whole lot of money now that whole lot of money has gone down a lot because prices have, have gone down and that was sort of natural and so you know i i would say that it's always been our point of view that you need to deliver real content value in order for the content to have value and so that's why we've created something that doesn't mimic the way the world works today. So when I buy the Tom Brady NFT, I would like it if he would gone and have gotten some rights to his to his best plays, you know? Now yes, that's going to cost Tom Brady some money. But but it now has value inside of my NFT where the image of his shoe simply does not. So, you know, I think I think we're going to, you know, move to an area where the content is going to have to have more value to have value. And the scales are going to be more sort of appropriate in, in terms of the input and the, and the output that is part of the kind of financial equation. So, you know, like I said, 
we went straight to NFT 2.0 and skipped over 1.0, um, just kind of on a fundamental belief about sort of where the world ultimately needed to go in order for this to be highly sustainable and for it to become like a, like a website and to become a ubiquitous part of, of people's lives. That's really cool. I mean, every time you give me an answer, I kind of see like another layer of this, you know, what would be like, I guess, uh, a non-blockchain competitor. Like, should we think of this more like a premium? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Snapchat, should we think of this more like a Google Drive, all the above? Well, I mean, no, I think, I think because it has, it, it's a unique pairing of things. You know, it's like Twitter has, what, 144 characters or 122, I can't remember. You know, that's kind of the right thing. What we're creating just, I think, has the, has a perfect set of attributes, right? It has, I can put in a bunch of content uh, into sort of like a Dropbox, um, but it's really easy for me to share it out. Unlike my Dropbox, I can sell it if I if I want. There's a mechanism for updating it. And for me, I mean, I, you know, I, I hope that one of our, our with, with our app, which is coming out, which is like people should definitely go get um, uh, downloaded uh, at Vivid, uh, get on the waiting list at Vivid Labs. But one of the things that I that I hope you know ends up happening is is that there's a subscription model for you know where the people who right now let's say you're you're a, a musician um, you get two cents every time your song streams on Spotify. You get nothing for your 20 million Instagram followers, literally. And so the ability to build something that's direct from you to, to the end consumer, and there's nobody else taking a cut, you know, on it, unless, of course, it's, you know, you need to, have, you need to use Apple Pay. But I, I think it creates, uh, I think it creates um, an extraordinary opportunity to to generate money and to have an environment that you control because, because, you know, everything you put on Instagram is owned by Instagram and it's monetized by Instagram and you can't really do like videos, PDFs, you know, you can't, you know, you can't put a bunch of content to get, you know, it's, it's very uh, prescriptive in terms of like, you know, what content you can put on. And I, I think, I don't. I don't know whether you were sort of around for for MySpace before Facebook came along, but MySpace was really like the Wild West. You had a web page, and you put all kinds of pictures on it, and you did you know, and it wasn't like Facebook, which is very sort of contained, and you have a little thing here and a little thing here. I mean, people just put stuff all over their pages. It was crazy, but but it, but it really reflected people's personalities. You know, it was a it was a tapestry that they could use. You know, and it all started actually 
with uh, with bands setting up, you know, homepages on on MySpace. So I kind of see like it's possible this is sort of like MySpace, right? It's like I can put content together. If I'm a rock star and I want to show people my my car collection or my house or hanging out with my buddies or my gals pals, whatever. You know, this becomes a way to, you know, for 500,000 people or 250,000 people or whatever, this becomes, you know, a way to have a kind of a special relationship with those people and let them in my life and make money and own my own content. So and not be dictated. So, you know, and a lot of those are sort of classic Web3 sort of values, you know. So so I think there I think there are kind of a whole bunch of things play here that, you know, able to create, you know, products are on the internet. There are always ways of thinking about things. So, um, you know, when eBay came along, I told everybody it was like a garage sale on the internet, you know, sort of this conceptual thing, you know, and search engines were always hard because you couldn't compare a search engine to, to anybody, but I was doing CNET and I'm like, oh, we're like a, computer magazine on the internet and, you know, but we're, we're free, you know, very easy sort of conceptual model. But I think the idea of kind of being able to fill content and pass it along that you own, but, but you, but you can share and to be able to do that continuously is, is an idea that I think people will kind of naturally understand you know, in the same way they came to understand the website, even though it was different from a magazine, a newspaper and, and a TV show. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are there any other Web3 technologies that are part of the underpinnings of what you've built here at Vivid Labs? For instance, are you using IPFS for file storage or anything like yes. that? Yes, we do both centralized storage at Google and then we do Filecoin for for long-term storage. The reason that we do that is because, you know, we have people dropping two, two hour videos. And so in order to get the kind of performance that is required for somebody who, who is going to watch a two hour video, you need to use centralized storage for that. So we use a combination of centralized storage for caching, but also we use uh, Filecoin for long-term storage, you know, so you can always be certain that, uh, that the asset, you know, will be there in whatever perpetuity means. <laughs> That's great. I love seeing so many of these puzzle pieces being come together and even more pictures being painted on top of that puzzle in so many unique ways. Web3 is something that really, really excites me. Are there any other sectors of blockchain and crypto besides NFTs that really excite you? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm very excited about, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very interested in this thing that nobody is able to describe yet called the metaverse. I've been, in 1989, you could get on the internet through a service called The Well. There were 10,000 members and you had to use uh, Linux command line, but Xerox Park, which is where, the Mac came from where Steve Jobs stole the mouse and the graphical user interface, but they had something called Lambda Moo. And you'd go to Lambda Moo and you'd say, look right. And it would say, Bob is here, Sally's here. And you'd say, go straight. You'd say, you're in the living room. And so it was, uh, it was a, you know, text-based, you know, world 
the world builder. And, and then in 94, I read Snow Crash, and, uh, which was sort of the, you know, the ultimate you know, novel about the, the metaverse. I mean, the metaverse may even have come come from that, that book. And then, you know, I've I've made a couple of small investments in, in companies that have uh, been uh, creating worlds and 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 world builders. And then the the company that you know I'm running now, we actually started out building a live streaming video camera that uh, went to the cloud. Uh, and then distributed that video uh, onto all of the major uh, VR platforms. And, and what it did was, was most interesting, which was it was stereoscopic. So it was it was like your eye, you know, you didn't get you didn't get the same video in each eye. You got a different one from a different different angle. So you didn't get sick. And you know that never it never took off. And then you know we that's when we ended up kind of moving from from doing video. Um, over into uh, into NFTs, and so it's such a rich, profoundly rich kind of area, and there's you know a lot of real money being put, you know, being put against it now, and it already exists because there are already 600 million people in you know uh, Roblox, and I mean my kid lived in Roblox and and are at least my young ones at Roblox and and uh, Minecraft. So, I mean, we're already finding in games that this is, you know, this is happening. You know, the, the question is, how far does it go, right? Does it end up like uh, like Microsoft and, and Facebook are trying to do in like workspaces where, you know, I now am in a virtual world with somebody and I'm actually, and I'm actually working. But I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see whether the technology can in fact deliver on the promise that has been around for so long. I mean, when I started seeing that cover of Wired magazine was Laurent Jonier, and it was about VR. I mean, when I started seeing it, nobody talked about the internet. Everybody talked about VR. I mean, that, uh, that's kind of, you know, 27, you know, 30, 30 years ago. So the concept has been around. So I'm fascinated by that, and uh, and I, I continue to be interested in in how the the world, the way crypto operates, can transform the way normal money operates, and have a company that that is uh, is really trying to go from the model of opening a bank account and bank accounts haven't had no innovation in 60 years to opening a wallet it can still be a bank. But you open a wallet. It takes two minutes. It has a whole bunch of services associated with it. So I still, I still think there's a long way to go in fintech, where the financial services industry can learn from or take technology from crypto and make the the, the financial services world more efficient, more equitable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I couldn't agree more. Those are great insights. I had another question that I was thinking of, you know, just while we were having this conversation, you know, with so many different ventures in your portfolio, what were some signs that you used in the past to decide when to exit? You know, it's one of the questions that I get asked most, you know, when do I sell? You know, when do I know these? It's like, well, I can't really tell you that, you know, this is more of an art form than a science. There's no one thing, but are there any signs that you use to say, okay, well, 
I've done all I can do here, or this has done all it can do for me. It's time to move on to the next thing. Okay. Well, there's sort of two things. The first thing is, is that most of the companies that I've started are still around today. So I think the thing that I'm probably most proud of is CNET's still around today. Salesforce is still around today. I spun an an $11 billion company out of CNET's did web publishing. Um, They're called Infotex. They were called Vignette then, Infotex. They're still around. OpenDNS, Google Voice, you know, Poll, you you look at them all. So, So the first most important thing to me is to build a foundation that is capable of supporting a company for a very, very long time and also uh, independent of the founder. So it's, it's a good enough company that if I leave, uh, it can continue to run. In fact, it, it, can, it can even, it can grow. The second thing that I always do is, is I never consider exit strategies. Like I don't, I don't build to sell. I don't build to go public. Um, I build to try to solve a problem. And if I say fixated on that, uh, and not on whether I can sell it or, or whatever, you know, I've been, I've been very successful. And so, and so I don't, I, I think, put it this way, if you start a company because you intend to sell it, and um, I think you end up not building a company that lasts a long time. I, I, I think you, your intentions will ultimately play themselves out in the kind of people that you end up hiring. So, so I would say that the big challenge for me has been when to get in because I oftentimes get in too early. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I sat around, you know, I started CNET in, in, um, in, um, 1993 and, you know, we didn't launch our website until April of, uh, 1995. And even then we were like the first website, you know, <laughs> on, on the internet. So sometimes I'm a little, a little early in markets, but I just, I, 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 I try to philosophically stay away from, from that and just try to, you know, try to figure out what can we do that's valuable? How do I hire the right kind of people, you know, who create a workplace where other people want to come and work. And, uh, you know, if you do those things and a few more, you know, you end up finding out that, you know, your companies are, you know, you're still using their products 25 years later. Would you say finding the right people is not necessarily finding the hardest worker, but finding vision alignment or what do you really look for when you're hiring? Vision and passion alignment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, execution obviously too, but um, I, I don't have as many like, you know, Harvard business school, Stanford business school people as you'll find on a lot of, you know, successful ventures where you've got, you know, very, very, you know, impressive resumes. I want people who are um, as excited about what I'm doing as I am and have that same sort of shared mission. And I, I just find, you know, they'll work harder, they'll create a better work environment and, and they'll be, they'll be more successful than if you're trying to Ask somebody how many um, rain gutters are in Russia, or you know how many movie theaters are in Colombia, and you know have somebody go through. You know these are the kind of questions. I don't know SpaceX and Microsoft and people Google answered it very, very. You know, 
I, I just, passion to me kind of trumps most other, um, most other factors. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think it goes towards the, how do you build something that's sustainable over the long term? And it's a bunch of people who get together and they have a vision and uh, they, they get excited every day about what they're doing and coming to work is not working. And, you know, my job is always to make sure that people don't fight with each other so that they love coming to work and they love and, and, that, and that they're able to build. So, um, so yeah, I mean, sorry, it's a long answer, but, but I really, uh, I really try to stay away from the sort of uh, exit kind of uh, way of thinking about something. I think that was an incredible answer. And I'm so glad that you were willing to give us the extended version. And it's a, it's a great thing, you know, really just look at solving a problem in the world. You know, the profits are going to come along the way. Don't worry about the money-making part of it, but focus on building the future. Uh, and it's all going to work out. And I really love what you said about finding the right people and focusing on that passion. There's a company in this space that, um, you know, unfortunately got caught up in some of the collapse and, you know, CFI and the Terra Luna's ecosystem. And they had to lay off their entire staff and their entire staff said, you know what, we're going to stay anyway, because we believe in this project. We're still going to continue working. We don't care about getting paid. We want to keep on building. And it was just one of the most incredible things. And it says, wow, you know, you really got this solid group of people that have this shared passion. And that's really the power of people. You know, not everyone's driven by money. They're yeah. driven by problem solving, by progress. <clears throat> and I think those are the kinds of things that you're going to find in crypto, in blockchain that are so special. And Web3 is like a black hole sucking in all these individuals from all these other sectors of academia and Web2 and corporate finance saying, hey, all these things that you dreamed about, you can do here. And there's thousands and now hundreds of thousands of people that are like-minded for you to build with. It's just the best time. Yeah, that's a great story. I'm 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 glad to hear that. I mean, that's a that's a that's a actually that's a remarkable story. That's probably a sign of someone who has very good leadership, uh, who's able to get people to stick around even when the chips are really down. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, it's it's. I mean, passion is why I do everything I do. You know, I, do, I don't do things that I'm not interested in. And, uh, you know, finding like-minded individuals is, is kind of what we do as people, right? I mean, from the sports that we play, from the movies that we watch, to the music that we listen to, you know, we try to find people who kind of have our shared passions. Yeah. You know, I would love to extend this out for another three hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. One last question to close things out. If this is the first podcast, someone new to crypto or even new to investing or founding a company, just brand new to this sector, you know, is listening to, can you just leave us with a couple words of wisdom? Um, and what is this person doing? They're just showing up. Just getting started. You know, they've heard about Bitcoin. They've heard about NFTs. They want to learn more. You know, what's the, what are some words of safety, caution, advice? I, uh, the First, you know, a lot of people think the way you enter is you buy uh, crypto and, and then now you're in the industry. Um, that's the last thing you do. The first thing you do is you start learning and you start really understanding 
the dynamics of how uh, the industry works. And you ask a lot of questions. And then finally, only after you satisfied yourself that you kind of understand, because it's not just owning, it's not just information, there's a zeitgeist, there's this whole industry, there's a way that people think. And until you really understand that, it's, it's very hard to understand how people apportion value. Um, because it's very different from any other domain in your in your life. And so do not uh, buy crypto as a way to enter the industry, enter it intellectually and end up with crypto as a result of, of your curiosity. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that answer. Definitely do your research, immerse yourself in the culture, and then you're going to find the best cryptos to buy. The ones that you've probably heard about that got you here aren't those. Right. So um, right. I lied. I want one more question for you. I oh, want to know who <laughs> inspires you or what inspires you. Can you give some shout outs to authors, thought leaders, books, co-founders? Who really keeps you motivated to do what you're doing? There's one person that fascinates me. And, and that is like, who is Satoshi? <laughs> I mean, it is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of in my life in business. And the fact that nobody knows still today who it is that sort of spawned this whole thing uh, is totally enigmatic, totally enigmatic. Uh, not to want to take credit. Not, to, I mean, it's just it goes it goes against every natural instinct that a human being has, wanting to take credit for things, money, the whole thing. It is absolutely mind-boggling that in twenty, you know, twenty-two, we don't we don't know who that is. I mean, look, there there have been a lot of great. You know, I'm a product person. I've always had a great deal of respect for, for jobs as a business person, not necessarily as a person. Um, but, um, but, but, but yeah, um, that, that's the one mystery that I'd like to see solved before I die is, uh, is the who, where, why, and what of Satoshi. Well, if he ever comes on the podcast, I'll be first to bring you on to be my special co-host for the day. Halsey, thank you so much for spending the last 50 minutes with us. This has been just tremendous. Check out vividlabs.com slash play and play around, create your own bucket NFT, play around with the technology. You can do it right now. It is live in their beta form. So just awesome what you built. Thanks so much for all your contributions to the tech space. So many things I've used personally throughout the decades. Uh, we can't wait to have you back on and hear yeah. what your next amazing adventure is going to be. Great. And if anybody wants to support the community, um, the vid community, um, you know, the more the more the merrier. And where can people follow you and Vivid to join? Um, all of our socials are vividlabs.com. So you can Perfect. go there find out the best way to connect with us and our there. Very good. Vividlabs.com. And we will be back next week with another amazing guest here on the Crypto 101 podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you then. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.